Hi, my name is Sarah, and I'm Anxious AF. Welcome back to the podcast. In this episode, I chat with previous Anxious AF guest, Melanie Cantaya. If you'd like to listen to her other episodes, we spoke in Season 1, Episode 6, titled Highly Sensitive AF. And we also spoke in the Isolated AF bonus series that came out in the beginning of the pandemic. The episode is titled Cramped and Cranky. You can find those episodes wherever you get podcasts or on anxiousafshow.com. She's been a joy to talk to, so I wanted to bring her on again to check in, since a lot has changed since we last spoke in March of 2020. We discuss what we're looking forward to in post-COVID normalcy, as well as her article in the Washington Post of her thoughts about Hank Azaria, a white man, apologizing for voicing an Indian character on The Simpsons. As we discussed in the beginning of this interview, this was our second attempt at chatting. We both didn't feel like we were in the right headspace the first time, so we rescheduled and did it again. And I really love how this turned out. So I hope you enjoyed this version of the conversation with Melanie Cantaya. Welcome back. Returning champion of Anxious AF, <laughs> Melanie Cantaya. Hi. <laughs> nice to nice hear you, Sarah. Yes, yeah, nice to hear you as well. Um, so Melanie and I tried to record a similar version of this podcast uh, last week, but we were just not feeling it. So this is us attempting to uh, to try it again um, yeah. and just see how where it goes, how it goes. And I think we're both in better headspaces today, I hope. I think I, I am. I definitely am. Yeah, so yeah, let's... let's... <laughs> Let's do this. Let the games begin. I can't wait. We spoke uh, early last year in the pandemic, like right when it was starting. And um, we were talking about the anxiety of the pandemic and what it's what it's brought us. And so now we're in the what I call the COVID who era because (laughs) we're getting back to normal ish. Where is your head at in all this? Here's the weird thing. It's actually, I mean, it's not as bad as it was like, obviously in the beginning where like every hour, you know, you'd hear multiple ambulances. That was just basically the soundtrack to, to living, um, you know, when it was at the peak at New York, it's not like that. And it's not even at the level that it was like, you know, when you're trying to negotiate and you're getting in line to get tested, it's not even there, you know, I'm vaccinated. Most of the people I know are vaccinated. It's, it's, kind of just the same because I work at the library and I can't go to where I work um my daughter's home three days a week for school and and so it's uh it's good it's hard getting back to stuff you know and and sometimes I feel like you know the thing where you're in this emergency situation or crisis and you deal with everything, deal with everything, deal with everything, deal with everything. And then it just sort of like, bam. And like, all of a sudden you're like, it kind of like just all hits you in a weird way. I don't know. I think I might be having a lot of that going on if I'm going to be perfectly honest. No, I feel that. Is there something that you're looking forward to now that we're starting to get back or get back besides, you know, going back to the library? Is there other things that you're looking forward to? You know, I'm looking forward to, like, today I had to, um, I had an audition via Zoom, of course, right? Of course. And and the casting director's sound was really low, but, like, I had the phone up on a tripod. And so I had to, like, lean in to listen and go back and audition. And I was just like, but it was 
as opposed to like when I used to just tape an audition and send it in, it just kind of goes out into the universe into like a black hole of audition tapes that, you know, you don't, if you don't book it, you don't hear back or anything. It was nice to have like an actual person and it would, it'll be even nicer just to go. I hope we do. I don't, I hope casting directors decide to keep it remote because it's just, this is, it, I hate it. I really can't wait to just go in person to audition in front of a person and get feedback and adjustments and just see a face. You know, because I'm a writer the rest of when I'm not being an actor, and if you're not working regularly on a show, I, I'm i not seeing people. That's sort of, I like people. So I, I think that's one thing I'm really looking forward to is auditioning in person and working at the library. I guess so going back to normalcy and like you said, being able to go to the library again and what sort of creative juices have been flowing in this in this quarantine and now going back out into the world like right. how has that changed well, your workflow oh gosh i mean i'll be honest like i haven't been very creative during this time and i think that's okay because it's like like i said it's like so much of your brain has been taken up by the fight for racial justice by covid uh, by the the person that was the president before this president um and all that, that happened what but yeah and just like you know your nerves are shot so much you know your news feed is going crazy but um you know i have one article that's with an editor now and another one that i was able to knock out and and get that did get published and that those were that was just that's been the extent of it and i'm slowly kind of getting back now yeah and so i guess that's a good segue um talking about your article in the washington post right do you want to talk a little bit about the article and what it was about yeah yeah. sure so so the article hank azaria apologized on a podcast for playing a poop and he said he wants to apologize to all indian people and he's actually done a lot of like soul searching and and thinking about it, and he, he feels like he wanted, he wanted to just sort of extend that apology for voicing the character. I mean, he had announced a year ago that he was going to step down from it. And then, and so a friend had actually texted me the article about the apology because she had read my book and she had known that initially when I started out as an actor, the only sort of person in popular culture or Indian American that people could identify was a poo, right? This character that's literally named after poop, a poo, right? And, you know, it was this very sort of sing-songy accent. So in order for me to work, I would have to, they wouldn't accept like a real Indian accent. Like India's got all these languages, there's so many accents. Um, they wanted to hear something more like a poo because that's what they thought of as an Indian accent. And so in order for me to work, I would have to, Sort of, I, I actually watched all these Simpsons episodes to try to mimic a white man. I run only to find out that he was mimicking another white man, Peter Sellers, that had done it in uh, I think it was called the movie was called The Party, an an Indian character in brownface. For me to work, I was imitating a white man, imitating a white man in brownface. Ooh, I did not know that it came from those. That he was also impersonating a white man. Right. Jesus. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's 
it's kind of just like, oh my gosh, that's so crazy. And just sort of like mind blowing. So it was basically kind of like my experience as an actor and and how that character has sort of loomed large over my career and choices I've had to make, um, which was basically to not do accented characters for a really long time. And accepting his apology in that, you know, in, in a way that said, you know, you still you did something that you should not have done, but it's the right steps towards towards taking responsibility. I think, you know, and then there's a whole sort of, especially in the height of the Black Lives Matter movement, where there was a lot of shows where people were sort of calling out white actors for playing characters that weren't white, like in animated content. And they were like, we're going to cast somebody else for this. And people were like, there are people that were so upset about that and and but there was no it just felt like they were just doing it because of the trend of it and i think what's different about the the hank azaria apology it's like it seems like he's taken time since the the problem with the poo documentary came out that i'm sure the the height of the movement had something to do with it but i don't know it felt and i think with your article it made me think differently about that as well yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, it's not that, like, I think stepping aside from, like, voicing characters of color is is probably a good idea for for many reasons, you know, Other, because people are going to have blind spots, number one, there should be writers, of, there should be people in all different sort of facets, but I think stepping down was a right one and was a right decision, but as far as, like, real change goes like long term in the entertainment industry and elsewhere it's like there's got to be like kind of a commitment to reflection and examination and looking at data and second guessing and just kind of feeling icky in the process and i feel like i don't know hank azaria i've never talked to him but from listening to him it seems like he actually did go through a process and this is not something it wasn't a PR stunt, and this is something that I think he's going to consider in the choices that he makes going forward. You know, I think that it's okay to have a little bit of social pressure to do the right thing, but I don't think it is just for the due to PR. Right, and that I also think. kind of comes down to also diversifying your writers' rooms and your crew, and you producers. know, producers and, and and the critics that write about shows. Yeah let people of color have to fight to get into critique movies right and, and also you know or whatever networks putting behind to like really push and yeah so it's all all these like blind spots that we need to address and it's not going to be done overnight well when you are auditioning now is there still a like an accent push mm. you know i haven't had one no but my agent and i have an agreement so it's like it's, it's like this something just 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 feels a little off for me then i'm not going to do it you know even if it doesn't have an accent i find it sort of you know i have to think about how am i representing people in everything i do you know i have that sort of it's like an extra you know burden because it, you know representation matters you know someone after i wrote the article um wrote on facebook that you know there's a lot of diaspora that uh, from that are india that they it, lived in africa 
and the long story, but Indian kicked all the Indians out, and so they wound up all over the world. And so she, had, you know, their family had immigrated to Canada. Her dad did, and she was Canadian, and and she she was telling people that she was African, you know, because her dad had immigrated from Africa, and her dad's like, no, we're Indian. I'm Indian. And she goes, I don't want to be Indian. Apu's Indian. It's so here's like a little girl, little kid, and that's like her first sort of reflection and idea of herself. She doesn't want to be this cartoon character that all the kids in the, in the schoolyard mimic and mock, right? It matters, unfortunately, because there's not enough. There's not enough that doesn't make like sort of Asians, I don't think, I don't want to say East Asian, but like people of Chinese heritage, people of the Pacific Islands, like there's so much, especially Chinese heritage too, because they've been in America for centuries. Indian Americans have been here for centuries. Pacific Islanders have been here for centuries. And yet like we seem to be portrayed as like the perpetual foreigners. Lucy Liu actually had an op-ed come out the week after mine in the Washington Post about how she was in Charlie's Angels and a magazine referred to her as like the dragon lady. And and she's like, well, why don't the other angels, why aren't they, why is that moniker not for them? Why is it for me? And I'm like, it's called racism. Yeah, I mean, representation matters. And so I think it's it's okay to pick and choose what you do. And is there an anxiety now because there's that pressure for you to be a representative or be representation, does that bring added stress onto you, you think? Yeah. Yes, the answer is yes. It brings added stress onto me. Because I have to do that with, like, every audition, right? You know, if I'm playing a doctor or whatever, of course not. But, like, you know, if you're getting something with, with some meat on its bones, you know, and I'm just like, ugh, this is such a good role, but why do they have to make it this? Or this could be written a different way. This isn't really, obviously, a white person wrote this because this isn't really how many people talk. So I think if the character has an accent, it's like, well, am I bringing humanity to this character with an accent? Or am I taking away the humanity of Indian people? Because of this, it's like also an anxiety and like the possibility of losing work because you're not oh, taking I've those jobs? Work. Oh. I've lost work. <laughs> yeah. Do you yeah. ever find that out explicitly? Are they like... Yeah, because you won't do the accent or whatever it is. Like they're just well, like no. No, it's not like. Well, the thing is, it's it 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 ends before that stage because I will get the sides and I will turn down the appointment. And I'll say, you know, I'm not going to read for this. But you know, it hurts relationships too because then I'm with somebody that's not getting seen. That you know, agents get annoyed with that. Or can my current one seems to be pretty cool. There, we have to make our choices. We have to do what we can live with, I guess. So has that motivated you to stay, to, to act? Yeah. Now, that aside, I will say, like, I love acting. <laughs> I mean, put it this way, it's more like, that's how worth it this is to me, is to go through all, to be pummeled this way. Yeah. It's really worth it. It's like, you know, when they talk about flow, it's like, it challenges you. It, you're engaged in a way. You're always learning. It's always new. You are such a positive light, I think, and in the work that you're showing, and it's funny, and it's it's honest, and I just 
wanted to say that's what I appreciate about your work and you. Oh, thank you so much. I'm getting all these warm fuzzies now. <laughs> I brought this up, I think, in the in one of the one of the other podcast appearances you made for me, which I appreciate. But I think even how we met and how you were just like, just read the free preview of my book. <laughs> like, just read it. And if you think that it would be a good fit for your podcast, like put me on the podcast. And I literally was like, that was my one of my first times really talking about the podcast in front of people. Oh, wow. And to have the reaction that it did. And where I was like, okay, I think I'm on to something. Besides, you know, someone shouting, what does AF mean? And then someone shouting, it means as fuck. Still my favorite moment of all time. It was like an older woman and it was still hilarious. Right. <laughs> Just having someone be like, yeah, I relate to that. Let me also tell my story and let's also have a conversation. And it was something that was like, okay. It was one of those moments where I was like, you know what? There's a universal element in this and... I just, yeah, I just see it in this still. So just thank you for continuing to ride the wave. Oh, thank you. I think, like, it's so funny because, yeah, immediately the, the title of the podcast caught me. But you're right, it is universal because we all have anxieties and we all have insecurities. And, and some have more and some have less, you know, um, some of us control it better than others. Some, some of us need professional help. Some of us need pharmaceutical help. Um, some of us need to like put on our shoes and go for a run. Um, and you know, we have times that we deal with it more than others. But I think, I think in being honest about it um, and being vulnerable and sharing that, like, oh my gosh, I I, I feel this way. I think. It, it gives other people permission to feel that way and and that we all don't have to just sort of like especially in america we're going to be so positive all the time Ugh, not me <laughs> <laughs> i think it's okay to be like hey you know i'm not okay or i am this day but you know it wasn't that day have a sense of humor about yourself and a willingness to just sort of put yourself out there yeah, just the way that you wrote about in your book when you when you were just writing about your experiences with, you know, trying to be an actor and writing and working like a corporate job, right? And right. the stress of all of those things. I was like, oh, wow, relatable because I'm trying to be creative while also having a nine to five or whatever. And what what propels you and what pushes you to keep going into that creative zone? And I think your book and then also you talking about that you still have a passion for acting is, is just motivating me in this moment too of like anxiety I feel like can propel the creativity because I, I operate in lists a lot and like to do's and it's it makes me feel like I have to do things all the time which burns me out of course but I am trying to use it now in a way of like I just want to enjoy my life yeah Oh, I love that you said that. Again, we've we've had this conversation at some point about, you know, kind of coming at, especially COVID, from from different sides of you living with your, 
your partner and your and your kid and i live by myself but i've been so focused pre-covid i think on i've never been in a relationship really as an adult so focusing on like trying to be with somebody right and that my life wasn't full unless i was with a person oh and you know and i think covid was kind of like you know it was in a way of seeing like that you're isolated and people aren't really dating or whatever and i was doing virtual speed dating a lot in the beginning and uh mm-hmm. that was weird <laughs> um, yeah i can imagine someone told me in some zoom conversation because again pandemic what would your life be like what do you want your life to be like if you're not worried about being with someone or worried about what you look like which were like my biggest things i didn't feel good in my skin and i was like i'm never going to be with someone she's like well if you take those worries out what do you want and now that's that's the journey that I think I'm on. And my anxiety and stability and, and money and, and those things that come with it and how to survive, is there a way to overcome that? Or what are your thoughts on all of those things? Well, geez, I don't know where to start. Well, first of all, I don't think you need to have somebody in your life to be fulfilled, like a, a partner. I think you need to have, we all need to have a community and support and friends and family and we need interaction and we need intimacy and we need somebody in your life and it doesn't have to be a partner and it could be somebody's plural that you can say oh my god i am so ashamed of how i was in this meeting and i said like totally the wrong thing to this person and i'm so embarrassed like just you can't carry stuff on your own or you need to be able to say to somebody, Hey, you know, I'm super insecure about my appearance and not have them judge you, you know? And I think if you have that, I think that's something that's essential. I think if COVID's taught us anything, we are social creatures, you know, so I think that's it. And I think also, I think that's great advice that someone gave you. Yeah. It's also like when you talk about community, I think when we did this, when we attempted this conversation the first mm-hmm. time, the day before I had a therapy session and started like uh, crying in the park where I was doing my therapy session, I never felt more alone even being surrounded by a bunch of people in a park, but I was able to call two of my friends that I felt very close to in the pandemic and and especially like they've been my pod, just kind of having someone to talk through that. But it's like, I'm not alone there. Like you said, there's a sense of community that I, that I am grateful for, but I always in my head was like, well, you don't have a partner. So like, you're still alone, but it's like, no, but like I've, I've had a chosen family of my friends. It is still important. I think love and community can take all kinds of, forms and it doesn't have to be I think you can have a very fulfilled life without having a sort of romantic partner I think that's like too much pressure you know especially if you have standards yeah I was like that's my problem I was like having standards is my issue <laughs> if you have standards you're just not going to pair off with any old person I'm at the point it's like this is what I look like and this is who I am and if you're if you're not about it, then you can you can go fuck off. You know what I mean? 
Right, right, and and having, like you said, there's people that you could call when you when you need a shoulder, and it's having this podcast, and it's it's finding ways to find you know infuse your your life with joy. You know, we can compartmentalize like we can compartmentalize our anxiety. We can compartmentalize our imposter syndrome. We can compartmentalize our insecurities, and still. Not compartmentalize. I don't want to use that one. That, take that back. We can feel those things and still, you know, you know, anxiety, imposter syndrome, insecure, lonely. You can feel all those things and still have joy and community and make art and do all of those things. You don't have to, in my opinion, fix those things before you move on you know I'm, I'm not talking about like crippling depression that's immobilizing which I, you know i want to be sensitive obviously that you need to sort of take care of yourself in that way to, to get better um but if it's if it's a level of if you can manage it you, i think what i'm trying to say is there's a lot of like you know do affirmations and and Talk yourself out of your imposter syndrome and not just kind of saying, well, no, you could just maybe just keep making art and maybe, maybe that never goes away. So what, you can't wait for it to go away and you can't expend more effort trying to make some things go away that might not ever and, and put your own life and aspirations off, if that makes sense at all. No, I had this thinking of like, all right, if I once I figure out who I am and and what I want and then I'll be fine. But it's like we're all a work in progress. There's never going to be a time where we're just going to be 100% good. No, never. And and problem solved, acne acne cleared, etc. I'm I'm who I am and I got work. We all have work and right. There's going to be baggage. Like there's not going to be anybody that doesn't have a baggage of some sort. And my baggage is on all over this podcast. So potential suitors, just take a listen to all, <laughs> all the episodes and you'll, you'll get a good sense. But, you know, and also too, like COVID did do it, did a little kick to the shins. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. More like a punch on the gut if we're using, you know, these kind of like... These violent bodily... Violent <laughs> bodily yeah. <metaphors. laughs> and where's your mental state in in this moment or in, you know, in your creative work right now? Yeah, I think I'm anxious AF, to be honest. Welcome, great. <laughs> so how fitting, you know, because I, yeah, things have been slow. I fired a manager over the, over the summer or I, you know, I'm taping everything at home and there's anxiety with that and, you know, it's very hard for me to work at home. Sometimes there's people here, sometimes not, but I'm like scrambling to get things done. You know, so it's all getting by. And like I said, it's like, you know, I feel like I think I'm getting like waves of this, starting to get waves of this. But now that we're returning to normal, it's like, like all that we did not and I did not have time to process during this whole time is like starting to like hit me. So I'm just preparing myself for that. Yeah, and you can't plan for when it's going to hit you. No. Trust me, if I could plan, I wouldn't have uh, cried in the park. Yeah, there you go. 
all had our pride of heart moments. Yeah, especially living in, in the New York vicinity of just like, I've cried an Uber on the subway. I just, <laughs> you know, it's just part of, it's part of the badge, right? Sure, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I've heard. I'm just like, or I try to tell myself that when I'm in full tears on the subway, no one looks at you. No, nobody. I remember one time it was like I was a new mother and my daughter was teething. I don't think I slept for like a whole week. I was like, you know, missing sort of like my creative life and just sleep deprived too and and bored. And, you know, I had her with me and I went to Old Navy and just kind of like sleeping in the carrier. And I'm like, I used to require, I'm like, I'm in freaking Old Navy. When did I go to like old navy? Like never. Yeah, I came for I came for <laughs> cheap jeans and I and I stayed for emotions. But it was like in walking distance, and it was just like something. It was like stimuli, you know. Wherever it happens, it happens, and it's just it happens, your body's so way like... of telling you to to stop what you're doing. Yeah. What are you looking forward to besides? the library and getting out of your house and is there other like outdoor activities like the summer's coming well this is really weird because i ran like five marathons and that was like a big part of my like self-identity you know like i'm a runner um and then when covid started it was really hard for me to run especially long distances with a mask and also like for hydration because the city shut off all the water fountains um and so First, I ran the length of the New York City subway um, system inside the apartment. Wow. 700 square feet back in, you know, it, it would little, it sounded like this, turn around, you know? <laughs> Thank you for the sound effects. Yeah, back and forth and back and forth. Um, so I did that because I needed a project. And after I finished doing that, I was like, God, I don't know. And I haven't run. I haven't run. I mean, I've been exercising. You know, I, I found a YouTuber that I like, and I've been doing other things, you know, just for my physical and mental health. But, like, there's something about running that's just kind of evened me out. And I think it's literally the, the, the sound of the football was just meditative to me. It's like, and then the endorphins, of course, but you get that from other forms of exercise. I think it's just that repetitive motion where you can just, and I never ran with headphones. Like I wanted to hear, like just hearing the city and seeing the people in the trees if I was in the park and observing, but just being in your, like that right side of your brain, like when you go, you know, on a long trip and you're driving and it's just sort of, you're thinking everything and nothing at the same time. There was something to, to that that was like, just really good for like my soul and so but now because since i haven't run i'm just like it's a slog you know i feel like i'm running through molasses and i haven't got my legs back so like i'm gonna start i think working on that just because it it definitely did something for me in in my creativity and in my life and and just being a parent and a partner and all of that so i think that that is one thing I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I got to get back to not Zoom exercise. 
I think I was doing that for a while and then I got sick of it. And then I just kind of took walks. Just I was taking walks every day in my neighborhood. I I used to take dance classes a lot. So I'm like, but I don't want to do an outdoor dance class because it's hot. I want to get that joy, those endorphins. I don't necessarily want to be in a gym. Well, there's something about like like running. There's something beyond just the physical benefit of dancing, right? Because it's like there's something very connected to like just being human and celebration and joy and and tribally who we were. Like dancing was a community activity. So yeah, I could see why dancing would be something you'd you'd miss, especially if you did it. You know, took a class with a whole bunch of other people. I mean, that was my brand was workout dance classes and karaoke and COVID shut those down. (laughs) So now I'm like, all right, got to get back in the, off the, on both horses, I think at the same time, dance karaoke. I took a cycling karaoke class once. Really? Which was an experience. Yeah. I think Crunch was doing it back in the day. You're trying to, they would have like pass around a microphone and you would like all sing the song. And I was like, I'm out of breath. How can people sing? (laughs) While you're like standing up on the bike. It was such a strange experience. And like I went to like a Broadway show tune one and they were all like newer musicals. And I was like, I don't know every Hamilton song. Great show. I don't know the songs by heart. (laughs) I don't know like every. Yeah. I was like, I give me like the music man, (laughs) like older (laughs) Broadway stuff and I could probably get there. But yeah, give me some memory. Yeah. And then I'll get you there. But so yeah. much so much high school and, and community theater that I can get you on those, but oh, there you go. I think now is a time for a whole lot of self compassion. Mm. You know? And compassion for others. Because it's like how are we not all losing it right about now? Yeah, I remember early on just asking people how are you, it's just everyone's like, Don't ask me that question. Why? How what do you mean? <laughs> Yeah. Just like we're yeah, forced into the shit. On a, it took on more than a sort of generic pleasantry, right? Yeah. Or how are you holding up? I think was what it turned into. Right. How are you and I'm like, what do you? What, how do you think I'm holding up? Right. <laughs> um. But yeah, I think I enjoyed this conversation. I enjoyed the conversation as well. And uh, yeah, I want to let you promote whatever you want to promote the book the article the, your website okay. all that fun stuff sure well if if you want to stay informed and get um intermittent news or none at all you can go to www.melaniekintaya.com you can follow me at melaniekintaya um the book i have out currently um it's um, is called Actor, Writer, Whatever, Essay on My Rise to the Top of the Bottom of the Entertainment Industry, uh, industry rather. and uh, my most recent article was in the Washington Post, and if you just Google my name, Washington Post, and Kazari, you are guaranteed to find it. Yeah, and I'll link the article and link to the book and her website in the description for this episode, so should be an easy piece click. All right. Thank you, Sarah. Of course. Thank you again for coming on, for doing this interview all over again. I think it was, I think we did smooth work. I think so. We should cut ourselves on on the back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Um, I just appreciate you and and continuing to be a 
a frequent flyer on this show. Oh, I appreciate you, and I appreciate you having me so often. I always have a good time. Thanks to Melanie for coming on and recording this again with me. You can learn more about Melanie and her work on her website, melaniecantaya.com, or on Instagram at melaniecantaya. I will also link in the description box of this episode to her Washington Post opinion piece and a link to buy her book, Actor, Writer, Whatever, Essays on My Rise to the Top of the Bottom of the Entertainment Industry. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you find podcasts these days. You can also stream every episode at anxiousafshow.com. We're on Facebook and Instagram at anxiousafshow. Email us at anxiousafshow at gmail.com with feedback, guest suggestions, or stories you'd like to share on the show. This episode was edited and mixed by Angelique Ibera. Music by Garrett Rose. His work can be found at garrettrose.com. And I'm your host that's constantly trying to be anxiety-free, but failing, Sarah Curlin. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.